Hey bowlers, you're listening to Bowl After Bowl, episode 9, on Monday, April 28th, 2014. I'm smoking bowl after bowl. And I smoke. Hey, welcome back, bowlers. Uh, this weekend we had the pleasure of having the Missouri Cannabis Conference up there on uh, in Mizzou campus. It was at the Arts and Science Building there in the auditorium. Uh, I had the chance to sit down during the conference and talk to three uh, of the speakers there. The first was Amber Langston. She is a board member of Show Me Cannabis Regulation. And then Sergeant Gary Wigert, he's a lobbyist for uh, Show Me Cannabis Regulation as well, and he is a sergeant on the St. Louis Police Department. And then uh, finally we talked to Mason Tivert of, uh, he works for MPP right now, but he's the founder of SAFER and uh, worked very hard on the, he's the co-director of the Amendment 64 that legalized uh, cannabis in Colorado. So I'm going to give you those interviews just kind of back to back with a little bit of musical intro, a little bit of musical transitions in between. So hope you guys enjoy it. Show me cannabis regulation. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing, Spencer? I'm doing well. Doing well. So we're here at the uh, the State Cannabis Conference listening to some good speakers today. I wanted to sit down and talk to you a bit about uh, what SMCR has been doing this year and uh, just kind of getting an update from you. Sure. Well, um, we've been on fire, uh, <laughs> so which I know is probably appealing to a lot of people listening to this podcast. Definitely. <laughs> um This year, we have made a lot of headway in Jefferson City. This legislative session has probably been the most exciting for marijuana policy that Missouri has ever seen. We've had a number of bills which were introduced, um, and a fair number of those were then heard in committee, which is is hard to do. You know, in the past, we've had difficulty even getting our bills assigned to a committee, much less heard in the committee. So uh, we've been doing really well, and we've got movement on a few of those. So, um, you know, primarily the, the most interesting one is Senate Bill 951, which is a medical marijuana bill. We've never had a medical marijuana bill introduced into the Senate, so, you know, getting that, getting that heard. And then, uh, just this week, it was passed out of committee unanimously uh, with a due pass recommendation. So that's, um, that's pretty special. <laughs> we've got... That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's strong. Yeah, we've got some good uh, Republicans who are on that committee who uh, support this effort, um, including Dr. Robert Schaff from uh, St. Joseph, who has been supportive of medical marijuana in the past, although he did not sponsor this particular initiative, um, certainly his uh, input has been very valuable in that committee. Um, in on the House side, we have um, we've had a legalization bill that was heard um, and and it was introduced and then assigned to a committee and heard very early on. So that was really amazing, um, you know, just to have the full legalization conversation. You know, uh, much less medical would be more than we could have asked for. So right. um, and, and we got some good feedback on that. Primarily, the feedback was, "Hey, we're." Missouri, and we don't know if we want to go that far yet. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Always cautious. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people listening, what is the best way to sort of help push along the medical bill right now that's a, 
pass this, uh, that's in the Senate? Um, well, obviously calling your senators and representatives um, and telling them that you support this bill. Uh, so first, you know, we'll need the bill. It's out of committee, but we'll need to get it heard on the floor and get the senators to vote on it. So um, that would be, you know, where to target uh, right now is, is calling your senators and your representatives. And, and, you know, I want to really encourage people to do this because it seems like it's such a scary thing. Right. Um, and people just don't even realize how easy it actually is and how empowering it is. Y you can be a part of making change. You can be the one to, to push something forward and, and make a difference in people's lives. Um, you know, we did a lobby day on the 15th of this month, and I walked around with a couple from Springfield who have a child um, with epilepsy, and, you know, they, they were a little nervous going in and speaking to people, and, you know, at the end of the day, they, they said, said, you know, I didn't realize you you can just walk right into their offices. You just open the door for any legislator in the right. whole state. It doesn't just have to be yours. You just open the door and you can walk in and say, hey, I know that you're interested in health policy. Let me talk to you about marijuana from a health perspective. Or sure. you're on uh, the agriculture committee. Let me talk about marijuana from an agricultural perspective. And, um, you know, that couple said after having that experience, they realized, you know, they, they're like, we're coming back. We're going to be here and we're just we're going to keep talking and telling people. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's really important, um, you know, not just for policy change, but for creating a, a stronger democratic society, you know. Definitely. Kind of, that's how we... We, that's how we make things happen. So um, I also have heard about a hemp bill that's uh, getting a lot of traction uh, in Jeff City. Can you tell me a little more about that? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the other most exciting things. For me personally, that's how I got involved in all of this was hemp. Um, and so we had an industrial hemp bill, HB 2254, no, okay. excuse me. <laughs> um, and it was heard in the Economic Development Committee, which is a huge committee in the House. Um, and so they have a lot of things that come to their committee. Um, and, you know, they agreed that, yes, this would be worthwhile to, to hear uh, what, this, what this bill is all about. And it was amazing. It was just eyes popping. People had no idea. And, and, and you'll find it everywhere. People have no idea the, the many benefits of industrial hemp, the things that the cannabis plant does besides act as a medicine. Sure. Um, and, and you can see also, I would say, you know, that getting people aware of hemp, at least in, from what I've observed in Jefferson City this past few weeks, it, it changes their mind. Even, even though they're not ready to say it yet, it changes their mind on the whole marijuana question because they begin to ask, why is hemp illegal? Right. And so they, they, they begin to question, and that's what we need for them to do. For Sure. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it compels them to do their own research and sort of right, right. And so we got we anyway we got that voted out as well. Um, Sixteen to one uh, was the vote on that, and very it was, nice. Yeah, and it was also a due pass recommendation, which those committees only get to say a, a few of their bills get that recommendation. So that was great. This is one of their favorite bills for this this. Uh, uh, session and and I even had one representative say it was the best hearing that she'd ever been to. Very cool. Yeah, that's very encouraging. Uh, there's been a lot of good stuff this year. Um, Benton was on a couple episodes ago and he was talking about how uh, MU Normal hasn't even really had regular meetings because they've just been doing events and they've been at Jeff City and they've been uh, busy doing other things, running around at city council meetings and stuff. So that's awesome when you're too busy. Uh, being active and you know doing direct action stuff to actually have regular meetings just be like hey meet me in Jeff City because uh, that's where we're going to be that's that's really encouraging to hear yeah yeah and that's I'm I'm glad to hear that too about the chapter because you know just getting out there and doing something is 
you know, more meaningful than, than so much else. I think sometimes, you know, and I was like this too at the beginning, we, we have this notion if we can just have a big rally and get everybody together and, and, and agree and talk about it that, that we're going to change something. But, um, you know, it, it, that takes a lot of work, first of all, to make those things happen. But second of all, you could, you could really do a lot by just having those one-on-one conversations with your representatives. For sure. So, Amber, you mentioned before about um, a CBD bill that's in the it's, it's in the house. Right. So Missouri is kind of following along with this uh, trend around the country. Um, people are sort of going crazy for this CBD-only um, oil. So basically what this is is a cannabis extract, which is low in THC but high in CBD, which is uh, cannabidiol, can- cannabidiol, I'm not sure. People pronounce it different ways. Sure. CBD, we, we all pronounce it that way. Um, so it's, it's one of the cannabinoids in the cannabis plant. Um, there are many, many cannabinoids. Um, and, you know, from, from our perspective, we believe that these work together and that the whole plant is um, medicine for people. Um, however, with this high C- CBD strain, um, this, this high CBD oil um, that has been being produced primarily in Colorado, uh, there's a strain called Charlotte's Web that's been getting a lot of attention, but other strains do this as well. Uh, they found that it's very effective in con- controlling seizures, so particularly children who have epilepsy and uh, who cannot be treated in other ways. So we've got um, a few parents around the state who have um, become very active in the last uh, couple of months, really, around this issue. And, um, you know, basically, how can you deny a, a sick child medicine? Right. And um, when, it, when you take out the, the THC, which is, you know, what gets you high and what people are so afraid of, you know, sure. the, the, uh, kids having... Um, it, it starts to look more like a medicine to a lot of people who don't recognize it as a medicine. Right. And um, so basically we've got some House Republicans who have taken up this cause. Um, uh, my understanding is that a close personal friend of the bill's sponsor, who is Caleb Jones, um, who's from the Columbia area, he uh, became aware of all of this that's going on, and he said, you know, look, this is a, a public health emergency. We really need to help these kids. And so um, all of a sudden uh, these... <laughs> Folks who we would normally see on the opposite side of the fence are saying this is really important for people to have this medicine. Um, it's really interesting when there was a hearing on it, uh, you, there were, was a cons- religious conservative uh, testimonial from a gentleman who kept saying, this is not medical marijuana, this is not medical marijuana. Right. So they really are afraid of calling it medical marijuana, even though that's kind of what it is. Right, sure. Um, so long story short, this bill has been fast-tracked because it's it's got the, the Republican House support on it, and it's been heard in committee. Um, it was passed out of committee. It's been heard on the floor. It was perfected, and now it's actually in the Senate. So um, we're very confident that this bill is going to pass. Um, it is different than a lot of the uh, sort of emergency CBD bills that have passed in other states. Uh, most of them are, are unworkable. Uh, most CBD bills sort of say, yes, you can have it, but then there's no mechanism for growing or producing right. the, the plant. So they actually have put a provision in the Missouri bill, which would allow for two nonprofits in the state to um, be re- uh, licensed and regulated, and each of those nonprofits could have up to three dispensary centers. Now, the way the bill's written right now, it's very limited. It would only be for uh, intractable epilepsy. Uh, you have to have two physicians sign off on it. So it, it remains to be seen how this is going to work out um, in the Senate, but it, it, it is on the Senate side now. Uh, I'm hopeful that we've, since we've got this um, favorable Senate medical bill, that somehow those things can be reconciled, um, but that's that's going to be up for our legislators to decide. So 
um, you know, again, call your senators, call your representatives, tell them how important this is, tell them it's an, it's an emergency, um, and, and uh, hopefully we'll get this passed. And, and if it does pass, uh, it, it would go straight into law. It would not be put on the ballot in November. So, great. yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, for sure. I think one more thing I want to ask, uh, when, when is the target date for the next uh, statewide legalization bill for a ballot initiative? Do you know? Uh... So we're still looking at 2016. You know, showing cannabis is certainly not giving up. Uh, <laughs> there's no reason to. Sure. Um, and what we, you know, we'll, we'll try and keep an eye on, on what's happening in Colorado and Washington so that we can tweak, you know, what we have written down on paper now, but um, if necessary. But, you know, our intention at the moment is to file language, pretty much the same language that we already have in place that we filed this year for a possible run in 2014, but instead do it for 2016. And the first date we would be able to um, file that language would be as soon as the November 2014 election is over. So okay. there would still be a small process. We would have to hear back from the Secretary of State's office. So sure. you, could, you could count about the beginning of, of 2015, we could start gathering signatures. Great. And um, for people who want to keep an eye on that and stay involved with uh, what SMCR is doing, uh, where can they go? Showmecannabis.com. Please sign up for our newsletter. We send out one every week uh, by email to let you guys know what's going on. And um, of course, if you want uh, updates and alerts on your mobile phone, Phone, text SMC to 420-420, and you'll uh, get little action alerts about all the great things that are happening with Show Me Cannabis. Great. So uh, to make that a little bit easier, we'll have some links up in the show notes for those listening. And uh, Amber, thanks so much for sitting down with me and taking the time. It's been a pleasure. As Absolutely. Always. Thank you. Yeah. Good talking to you, Spencer. Thanks so much. everybody we're sitting down here with sergeant gary wigert he is uh currently on the st louis police force he's been there 34 years he's a 34 year veteran he's also uh, a lobbyist for the tea party there and for show me cannabis so welcome thanks for sitting down with me thank you um happy well, to be here why don't you uh start by giving us a little bit of uh background on yourself and sort of your uh, experience in law enforcement Okay, I've been a police officer for 34 years, uh, all of it in the city of St. Louis. Um, I went to college down in the Cape Girardeau, got a, a, a law enforcement degree down there, and that prepared me to come on to the uh, St. Louis Police Department. I went through the police academy, and I've done, um, oh, let's see here, I've done about uh, 16 years as a patrolman, 18 years as a sergeant, and uh, 34 years total. I was the head of the union there in St. Louis. Okay. Uh, you know, we had a, uh, at that time, we probably had about uh, 16 to 1,700 police officers officers in that union. Wow. I did that for six years. Um, I was also a board member with the union for 14 years. And then I had a, a radio show, WGNU, 920 AM in St. Louis. I did that for six years, six and a half years. I had two different shows there. Uh, first show was a, uh, called Bad Boys Radio. We did mainly police topics and issues. And then for six months, I did a, a, a show called Politically Correct. And that was pretty much a Tea Party-based type uh, a radio show talking about the Constitution. Great. So uh, the Tea Party lobbying came first, I'm assuming? Yes. Um, gosh, how did I... 
I think it was uh, when the Tea Party movement first started, I got brought into that. And because I had lobbying skills down here when I was the head of the union, um, we had state control of our police department at the time, so a lot of our work was done down here in Jefferson, or done in Jefferson City. Okay. So that's kind of how I picked up the lobbying. Um, I was also um, our legislative chairman when I was on the board, so that's how I started off with with the uh, the lobbying in Jefferson City, and I did the lobbying. Sure. So how did you go from uh, you know being a cop in a patrol? A beat cop and then a sergeant to uh, lobbying for uh, cannabis legalization. How did that sort of, because that's unexpected for sure. Well, for it's me. kind of funny. Um, through the Tea Party, I had a lot of connections with a lot of the uh, Ron Paul folks. Um, they are very uh, libertarian oriented. Sure. Um, so I I basically made these relationships, and a lot of the people involved in the libertarian movement are also involved in the Show Me Cannabis, and also what I call the Ron Paul movement. Maybe it could even evolve into the uh, Rand Paul movement, sure. which is kind of going on right now. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got introduced into this, and it kind of opened up my eyes on certain things. I, I had an experience with this where um, um, I've locked up a lot of people for marijuana, and to be honest, it just hasn't had that great of an effect. I, I see it, nothing has changed. Sure. Um, so I, I I think it's time we have to rethink uh, how we approach uh, marijuana or cannabis. And so uh, I can see uh, medical marijuana. I, I agree with decrim. Um, expungement, I think expungement is good when it's um, if you don't have a victim with the crime. Um, expungement is very tough if you're caught driving somebody's car or stealing an item because then you have a victim right and then once you have a victim it's a little different to say hey, you know that charge should be eliminated off your record but when you have a victimless crime like marijuana or drugs sure and i, I can see if you uh you can have that cleaned off your record after a period of time if you show you uh I'll no longer participate in that um so tell me a little bit about uh some bills that you've been lobbying for this year uh, on behalf of smcr well the um in the Senate, we have a medical marijuana bill sponsored by uh, Senator Holzman. Um, last year, he did our uh, industrial hemp bill. This year, he decided to do medical marijuana. Uh, we had a hearing in the Senate committee, in Senator Nieves' committee, and we, in fact, passed that out of committee. And that's a huge uh, victory for us. Sure. Um, last year, uh, we were happy just to have hearings. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this year, we're glad to have hearings, and now it will. Uh, uh, the bills will go on, and it'll be debated on the House floor and on the Senate floor. And that's what we want. A lot of this is just discussion. And we want people to, to start discussing the issue and not have all the taboos that go with marijuana. People hear marijuana, and then all of a sudden uh, they pull back because they have their preconceived opinions. Sure. And and they're, they're afraid of the issue. They're even afraid to discuss the issue because if you discuss the issue and you may support it, people think that you uh, smoke marijuana. Right. I've never smoked marijuana in my life. I have no intent of smoking it. I look at it as a little different viewpoint. I look at it as it's an not fiscally responsible to keep on arresting people and spend all this money. Sure. From arrests to uh, conveyance of prisoners to the time spent booking to the time spent writing reports. Uh, and that doesn't even count the court system and then probation and parole. So we got all this money, to, especially when times are tough. Right. These are, this, this is when you have change. We have tough times right now. Um, uh, this is how prohibition changed. They couldn't, have, they couldn't afford to enforce it anymore. So they gradually they had to change it and then realize the tax money. I think the same thing is true here now. When you have tough times, um, I, I think those things have to be relaxed because we just don't have the money for it anymore. Agreed. Well, let me back up just a little bit sure. and talk about um, when, oh, you, I, when you first uh, became the uh, lobbyist for SMCR, I know you caught a lot of heat from the from the department. I remember reading some articles about... Uh, um, 
the, the department kind of calling you out and telling you, you know, you're bad for doing this. Right. I was, um, I knew there would be some pushback. I expected that. I didn't sure. realize the, the, uh, the, uh, direction that they would go. You know, I was called in, uh, I was actually called by my captain. I was ordered not to speak to the press. Um, they can't do that. Right. Even as a police officer, you don't give up your constitutional rights. Right. But I followed the rules, uh, followed the order, um, and I contacted a lawyer. And actually, I had a number of lawyers contacted me. And they, sure, they sure. knew, in fact, that that was wrong, and mm-hmm. we would win that. And when we, in fact, did. And then they also tried to restrict me from lobbying, and uh, they uh, made me want to rechange the paperwork. And uh, so we went to trial. I forget the judge's name, but the judge says that, that was very chilling that a police department would order someone that they can't speak to the press. Right. And so uh, they they knew at that point that they had to they had lost. Sure. And so I resubmitted the paperwork, and they made me do some things. They made me buy licenses and certain things, which were all unnecessary. Um, I don't need a city license to do lobbying in Jefferson City. Right. But that was just a way to. Uh, uh, make your life uncomfortable and right. make you jump through hoops. They, mm-hmm. they did the same, you know, the next day they call me down for a urine test. Oh, boy. Um, and so, you know, I mean, it's fine. I'll take the urine test. Uh, right. It, but it's, it's just that type of, um, they just try to uh, annoy you and try right. and get just you to stop it. make your life a little more difficult because sure. of your opinions. Um, so you're still with the force now, though? You're yes. still a sergeant? Yes. Uh, and have you seen any other sort of pushback or have things kind of settled now? Well, um, you know, uh, usually you... Uh, Usually you work on a squad. I've been on squads for years where you have the same people for years. Last year I was on seven different squads. Okay. This year I've already been on three. So they do little things like that to um, uh, to try to uh, annoy you, make things sure. uncomfortable. They're kind of but, passing you around, playing hot potato a little bit. Sure, and um, it, it doesn't bother me. Um, I just deal with it, and uh, I just try to move on. I just You, you can't let that drag you down. It, for sure. You know, the police departments do that. There, there's times where the police department would be mad at me, especially with my union involvement, and they would transfer me up to a, a, a bad area, a ghetto area. Say. Sure. And you know what? That's fine. I, I, can, I can serve the people, whether it's in the ghetto area or in, the, in, a, in a nice area. It makes no difference. Sure. And it's all police work. So that just doesn't bother me. And you, and you can't let it bother you. You know what? I wanted to, to address the bills, too, if you have time. Oh, yeah, the, the for sure. The last couple yeah. bills. The, go, on, go on. The um, the other bills I wanted to address is we had a industrial hemp bill, uh-huh. and uh, that just came out of committee last week. I think it was a, like a 22 to like one vote. I mean, it was phenomenal wow, that we yeah, got yeah. those type of numbers in the House. And uh, we got very good reception from the people when we testified at the hearing, and I look at that as a, a Tea Party type issue, that it's not up to – most people don't know this, but you, there is no law against growing industrial hemp. But okay. you, there's a tax law against it. You have to get a, basically a tax stamp oh, from the federal right, government, right. and they authorize you to be able to grow it. What they do is they don't authorize anybody right. to grow it. So um, Basically, they require a stamp that they don't give out. Right, and that's their way around it. Well, sure. we believe that this is a state's authority issue, Okay. and it's up to the states to determine what we do, not up to the federal government to right. come here and tell us that we can't grow this stuff. Okay. So uh, that bill came out. That's got some movement, and then we had— um, Another bill was the, uh, uh, let's see here, what is the, uh, the CBD bill. Sure. Now, the CBD bills are the oils for all the children. We have uh, two women, Heidi Rail and Brandy Johnson. Their children have uh, some uh, seizures. I'm not sure if it's called epilepsy, exactly what they have, but they have seizures, and they look for the oils to try and relieve that pain. Okay. So they've been very effective. They've been coming to Jefferson City and talking to the legislators, um, and mainly they do it through the uh, medical marijuana. Now, the legislators have come out with a CBD oil bill um, 
they want it to be grown by the, uh, I think, down here in Columbia at the university down here and studied. I think that's wrong. I think it should be grown. Anyone should be able to grow this stuff For sure. and let the free market decide uh, versus uh, having the university do it. But I am glad they are taking these steps to help these children out, which is great. So um, um, as I said before, we look at that as kind of our gateway bill. Um, that's a bill that uh, legislators have now come out and actually supported things that Show Me Cannabis supports, which is great, something we haven't had before. So now they've come on record, they've voted for it, you know, and now we're also able to identify who's against us, and this helps us. I mean, I, I think I, I, I think this is wrong for legislators to vote against it because they don't want to be known as supporting marijuana when, in fact, this isn't even the smokable marijuana. It, does, it has very low THC, can't get you high. But that shows you some of these people are still scared of that issue. For sure. Um, so for the people listening, how uh, would you suggest to get more involved? Or um, is there a place they can follow well, you on Twitter um, or anything? What, what would really help is um, what would really help us. And I'm, I'm a little bit older, so I don't do the Twitter. Sure. The, uh, uh, but what really help is if uh, folks would contact their state legislator, um, their representative, and their senator. And if they come down to Jefferson City when I'm down there, they can make an appointment. Now, I'm a part-time lobbyist. I'm not down there all the time. But if they come down there, I will bring them to their legislators, and they can tell their story. Now, here's the thing down in Jefferson City. I don't know if you have ever been there before. But legislators are used to seeing lobbyists. Right, we come sure. and go, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But so sometimes they make time for you, sometimes they don't. But a constituent, when they come down way down to Jefferson City, they will bring them in and speak to them. If they're on the House floor, they will come out and chat with that person, or that senator will come out and chat with that person because those are voters, right? And they are very responsive to the to the to the needs of their constituents. And so they always make the time to come out there and do that. So that's to me, citizen uh, being a citizen uh, lobbyist, I think is the best form of lobbying. So it isn't big money that right. you're a voter. And so they're they're given access to, to the legislator themselves. Sure. So if uh, someone wanted to come down to Jeff, uh, how would they be able to contact you? Um, here, I will get – here, I, I, I'll put up my phone number there. It's sure. uh, 314-562-6494. Or um, they can contact me at Gary, G-R-Y dot Wigert, W-I-G-E-R-T, at stlouistparty.com. Great. And, uh, and uh, we'll try to make it. And if, and if I'm not down there, uh, we have a full-time lobbyist that uh, she goes down there and she does a lot of the uh, monitoring of the bills or whatnot. And she can go ahead and introduce these folks. Um, I like to do that because I, I think that's a more effective way of lobbying uh, when, when people are able to talk to their person. It's a one-on-one type thing. And you get that time that normally it's very hard to get hold of politicians. Sure. Try, try to get hold of these folks is very impossible, except maybe at election time. But this is a little different. This is when you're down there, you're in their environment and they're happy to, to come out and chat with you. Great. Um, and yeah, we'll put uh, some links and that additional info in the show notes. For those of you listening on Blueberry or on Stitcher, you can go to bullafterbull.com, click on the episodes tab and uh, find this specific episode for all the show notes. Uh, if, if you're having a tough time finding them, that's where they're at. So uh, Sergeant, uh, I'd like to thank you for your courage and thanks so much for taking the time to sit down with me and sort of bring us up to date on what's going on in Missouri and uh, just keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. All right, everybody, so we're sitting down here with uh, Mason Tavert of MPP, and uh, 
the founder of Safer, the safer alternative for enjoyable recreation. Uh, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, wanted to get a little bit about your background story, sort of how you got involved in uh, the legalization effort. Uh, yeah, well, you know, this issue kind of came to my attention in college when I was subjected to law enforcement scrutiny, like so many people are, just for, you know, using marijuana as a college student. Sure. And uh, it was really ridiculous the extent to which I was scrutinized. And it really just made me think about how absurd it is that so many people get in trouble for something that's generally so benign. And when I compare that to being a high school student who, you know, getting drunk and, and you know, almost killing myself from drinking on one occasion and sure. no one really even seen the law enforcement cared about that it just kind of highlights the hypocrisy and just bad public policy so uh you got involved in this uh organization safer which basically the uh the fundamental um effort was to bring up the the talking point marijuana is safer than alcohol and uh, I saw that kind of when it started because I was involved here on the MU campus as president of MU Normal, and we had a safer day of action. And so um, I kind of just like that that method of uh, direct action of just trying to get in the paper and sort of get people talking and that talking point hitting home. So uh, kind of tell me how that's worked to change the national discourse. Well, you know, really we need to get a message out that changes the way people think about marijuana. Right now, too many people still think marijuana is too hard harmful to allow. And obviously, most people do not think that about alcohol. They recognize that prohibition of alcohol failed and that even though alcohol poses some harms, it needs to be legal for adults to use responsibly. So by you know making sure people understand marijuana is not as harmful as alcohol, in fact, it's far less harmful, uh, that is a way to address their concerns and to make them think of this as a product that should be treated that way. And so when you do things like holding a day of action that's centered around getting this message out, you're really making people think about it. And, and ideally, people are talking to each other about it. And, you know, if, as long as one person in the conversation agrees with the, the idea that marijuana is safer than alcohol, that's a conversation we want people to have. Sure. Um, so I, was, I saw you in a news story kind of recently. Uh, you set up a little demonstration outside of the governor's mansion. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little more about that? Uh, yeah, so our governor, uh, former mayor of Denver, he's made a fortune selling alcohol and has always been a big fan of beer and the beer industry. Uh, he recently um, uh, he decided to add beer taps in the governor's mansion and tout the fact that it's the first governor's mansion in the country to have t- beer taps, and uh, you know, which is fine. You sure, know, I certainly have no problem with that. The problem is that he, you know, as he's touting the fact that he has free flowing beer in the governor's mansion and he's touting, you know, how there are. Five 5,000 people employed in the craft brewing industry in Colorado, sure. he, he continually talks down about marijuana and says, you know, it's bad and people shouldn't use it. And he refuses to acknowledge the, the economic benefits of, of our current industry that's now existing there. And, you know, we just wanted to highlight that hypocrisy and, you know, point out if he thinks, if he's so concerned about the message being sent by legal marijuana, what message does he think is being sent by adding beer taps to the governor's mansion? So we decided to highlight the fact that he's turning the governor's mansion into a fraternity house sure. by holding a little toga party uh, <laughs> out in front of the mansion, which really just entailed me in a toga, sure. uh, holding a news conference uh, and just talking about the fact that 
you know, marijuana is like alcohol, something adults enjoy using and can use responsibly. And there's nothing wrong with that. And he needs to accept that. Right on. Well, uh, one thing I've always appreciated about your work is the sort of that focus on direct action and uh, visibility. So uh, for the people here listening, um, what what advice would you give them uh, if they want to get more involved, but kind of are frustrated when they're sending maybe letters or emails or tweets out to you know, never get responded to or get responded with a form letter, maybe? Uh, you know, it just depends, you know, depending on, on what type of resources you have available. It's a lot easier to carry out some types of actions when you have some level of funding. And sure. You can pay for, uh, you know, materials that might be needed or what have you. I mean, so it's 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 not as easy at a volunteer level and without money. But, uh, you know, those types of, of actions that you described are certainly important. And, of course, you know, fostering this debate. There are also organizations, you know, on the campuses and at the local level. And, uh, you know, it's really a matter of, of planning and, and trying to put something together that will get a message out that we want people to hear. So, um, you know, I would just say if, if you're not involved in an organization, you can look to see if there are any nearby or, or consider starting one. And, you know, whether it's normal or the Marijuana Policy Project, oftentimes try to, you know, work with people to, to direct their efforts and their energy toward, uh, you know, bigger, more, maybe in some cases, more well-funded stuff. But sure. that's not always possible. Um, I know also that you had a very big role in the Amendment 64 in Colorado that ended up legalizing uh, cannabis for recreational use. Uh, can you tell us some of the more important strategies you guys used and uh, how you were able to pass that bill? Well, generally in Colorado, we've spent about eight years just focusing on the message that marijuana is less harmful than alcohol. And in the first eight months of that specific campaign, focusing on that and, and just talking about marijuana as something that adults use and can use responsibly and is you know less of a problem than drinking but should be viewed similarly and um, you know one of our our biggest tactics was to encourage people to just talk to others about that particularly to older relatives uh, you know older family members just get them to, to understand that marijuana is not as dangerous as they were once told it is uh, and you know we're confident that that was a a, a tactic and a message that played a huge role in this. And then, of course, you know, we also engaged in, in other more traditional campaign activities, coalition building, you know, grassroots activism, distributing literature, having a presence, you know, visibility and all that kind of stuff. But the most important part is really uh, having a, a good message and getting it out. Right on. Well, uh, is there any way that uh, folks who are listening can maybe follow along with your uh, stuff or find out more information about MPP or SAFER? Uh, yeah, uh, you can find out more about the Marijuana Policy Project at marijuanapolicy.org. Um, we're also on Facebook and on Twitter and all that. And, you know, we have a, a page you can put in your zip code and see what's going on in your state. And, you know, if you're interested in, in getting in touch and being involved, you know, by all means, reach out. And we always try to work with whoever we can. Great. Uh, well, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down with me, Mason. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, that does it for today's show, folks. Uh, be sure to check out bullafterbull.com for the show notes and for links on where to uh, get more information on the speakers and get more involved. Tomorrow we'll be talking with Clayton Missler about his upcoming uh, More Better show. It's going to be at Cafe Berlin, so we're excited to talk about that. And uh, if you have any kind of suggestions or comments, always feel free to submit them to spencer at bullafterbull.com. Just shoot me an email. And uh, if you have future show ideas or future guest ideas, shoot them that way too. So once again, thanks for listening. May your bulls burn ever brighter.